I, I like what um, Dave shared. I liked all of it, but there's, there's one quote, and I wrote it down, where he was saying how amazing it is that God can take so little and do so much with it. And I was thinking, well, in the context of Matthew 20 that we're going into today, I think the theme is God can take so little and reward so much for, for it. Kind of where we're going in Matthew 20. But in other, to better understand Matthew 20, you kind of have to remember where we just went in Matthew 19. How many of you guys were here last week? Javier did a, a, just a great job. He was unpacking the young rich ruler. And uh, I'm going to give a very Cliff Notes version of what happened because it, this is a great follow-up to uh, chapter 19. In fact, it comes right after chapter 19, so there it is. But it was one of those th things where Jesus gave um, this young man an offer he can't refuse. Now, I know you're thinking Godfather when I say that. It wasn't that kind of offer. But it was supposed to be an irresistible offer, and the, the man refused. He just walked away, said, no thanks, you know. Um, and now, G now Peter is watching this. And then the, the question that goes in Peter's mind is kind of like, well, wait a second. I, I walked away from everything I had to come follow you, Jesus. And so he's kind of like, what's in it for me? I don't know if, if you guys have ever felt that way. Like, I've given a lot for Jesus. I've sacrificed. I've left my dad in the boat. For Jesus. What's in it for me? Now, it's interesting when Peter says that. I, what you don't see is, is Jesus go, you know, you, you left your dad in the boat. I'm so thankful for you. I go around, I, I tell your story to people because I'm so proud of you. He doesn't do that. What, what he does do is he's like, well, Peter, and, and not, this is me paraphrasing, you have no idea the deal that you got way better, Right? Okay, so it's like, well, well you can't uh, outgive God. It seems to be that kind of message. But then there is this, he ends um, this teaching by 30, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And you're like, huh, what is that? How does that fit? What is that about? What's, what's that? Now, it's a little bit of a rebuke to Peter. I don't know if you ever thought of it that way. It's a little bit of a corrective. But Peter, you're kind of thinking a certain way. Let me just throw that in there to kind of correct you. Now, if you go into 20, you see at the end of 20, verse 16, so the last will be first and the first will be last. So it's a follow-up from the last teaching. It's, it's connecting. So we're on the topic of rewards. We're on the topic of motivation. We're on the topic of God giving to us. And Jesus continues the teaching. All right? You all, you all with me? Make sense? Okay. I'm going to read it fast. Um, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. By the way, when you hear kingdom of heaven, you're thinking of a previous message that was given which defines kingdom of heaven as the redemptive reign of God, right? So this is how God works. Okay, this is what happens when God comes in our lives. All right, uh, went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, that's a full day's wage, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I'll give to you. So they went. Going out again in the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. By the way, it's three-hour increments, okay? Uh, and so the, 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 the first hour... Um, 
these guys would work at 6 a.m., right? So the first hour is 6 a.m., uh, and then it's three hours later, 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m. Okay, you guys got it, right? That, that's how it all works. Okay. Um, and then he said to them, too, you go in the vineyard. And so they went, going out again in the sixth hour, ninth hour, he did the same. Okay. Should be, the next one would be uh, uh, 9 plus, tw- it should be, it'd be the 12th hour. But about the 11th hour, by the way, 11th hour is one hour before 6 p.m. It's 5 p.m., so really the workday is done at 6 p.m. He goes out there at 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, a sixth hour and then the 11th hour. And he went and found others standing. He said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his four men, four men, come, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And those who hired about the 11th hour came, each of them receiving a denarius, full day's wage. Now those who hired came first, and they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. How many of you guys have heard this parable before? All right. I'm going to try to... Uh, I, I'm going to try to uh, teach this parable first from the perspective of the owner, then from the perspective of the 12-hour worker, and then lastly from the perspective of the first-hour worker, because they all have different perspectives. Now, let's do this. Um, The setup of this parable is really interesting. It's called a ridiculous premise. I might have made that up, but that's what it is. It's a ridiculous premise. It's almost like a joke. Now, let me give you an example. Um, can you imagine Gordon Ramsay? You guys know Grant, Gordon Ramsay, F-bombs all over the place, Kitchen Nightmares. You guys have seen the show, right? Can you imagine Gordon Ramsay in the environment of a classroom of a kindergarten teacher, right? I mean, that's some funny stuff, right? Like, here's a guy in his context. You move him out. You put him into a context he doesn't belong in. That's kind of what's going on. Okay, let me give you another one. Can you imagine Antruong, our youth director, on a five-day silent retreat? <laughs> okay, now you, you, you're getting what I'm saying, right? You're like, oh, that's funny. That's good stuff. Now, now, here's the thing. Can you imagine God, Jesus, his values, his principles, and he's running a human company, a farm? That's the setup. Oh, okay. Now you're piquing my interest. Keep on saying. Now, now here's one thing. Um, it's like a master of the house who, w- who went out early in the morning to hire laborers. After a green and he going out, there, he saw others. Okay, he. Who's the he? The answer is the owner. Okay, that's weird. I just want you to know that's weird. Now, you're an owner, right? And you have a foreman. Whose job is it to go and pick up the workers? Tell me. It's the foreman, right? Come on, do your job, bro. Right? That's his job. He's supposed to go out. What is the owner doing here going out and, and going like, hey, what's the owner doing? 
I don't know. He, he shouldn't be there doing that. Why is he there? Well, I don't know. I, I, guess, he, I guess he's like, Lo, you know, I like to go myself. I know it's your part of your job, but I want to go myself. I want to see the workers. I want to look at the eye. I want to see their conditions. I don't know. Why does he want to go himself? I don't know, because he cares about them. Oh, really? Owners don't go because you care about workers. You go and hire workers because you need, you need work. Right? But he's going. In fact, he keeps on coming back every three hours. <laughs> I don't, what are you doing here again? I don't know why he's back three hours. If you really want the most bang for your buck, you go early in the morning. You bring a bus. You say, everyone get in, and then you, go to, and then you get everyone, especially you're going to pay them the same price. This doesn't make sense. Why does he keep on going back? The only reason I can think of why he keeps on going back is because he wants to know that the other workers have been cared for. He wants the other workers, someone to pick them up. He wants others to pick them up. But he goes back. Well, I guess they're not picked up. All right, Dion, hang, get in the back. All right, Dave, come in, in the back. Crystal, you can stay. <laughs> and, and he keeps on, he had three hours of three hours. Now, here's an interesting thing. He goes, this, I'm not kidding you, he goes at 5 p.m. You know, he goes at 5 p.m. Now, now, it's interesting, when he goes at 5 p.m., he's asked, what, what are you doing here? Are you idle all day? Oh, come on. Is that really the question? What are they doing there? I know what they're doing there. They're holding on to hope. How many of you have ever played the lottery? Why did you play the lottery? You know your chances are really small. Like, why'd you go to Vegas? Well, yeah, it, it, it could happen. That's the thing. It, it could happen. What are, what are these? These men have been on the scorching heat all day. I don't know why they don't want to go home. They should have left at noon. That's what happens, actually. They leave at noon. It's too hot. Give up hope. You go. I don't know. Maybe these men didn't want to go home. Maybe they're married. Maybe they didn't want to hear their wives go, no luck again today, huh? They didn't want to hand down their heads in shame. They're holding on to hope. That's not weird. I'll tell you what's weird. What's weird is that the owner is here at 5 p.m. That's weird. He's like, what are you doing here? Really, the question would be like, owner, what are you doing here? What are you doing giving me a job? You really want me? Really? Gets in the back, goes. How much, how much work do they do? One hour. Actually, maybe less than then because there's commute time. Maybe like 45 minutes. 45 minutes of work? Okay, now, okay, now we're talking about this employer. Now, okay, now let's get to the end. There are two things that are weird with this employer at the end. Two shocking things. Okay, the first one everyone kind of knows. It's shocking that the workers who work for one hour got paid a full day's wage. We all agree that's shocking? If so, say that's shocking. Okay, we all agree. Now, this is the second thing that's shocking. The second thing that's shocking is the order. I don't know, did you, did you notice the order? Who, 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 do you, who, do, who do they pay first? The people who just put in one hour of work. Really? And then he went backwards. So the last people who were paid were the ones who worked for 12 hours. Now you just imagine a management consultant going, no, 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 owner, you got this all wrong. This doesn't make no sense what you're doing. You don't want to do that. 
What you want to do, come on, think about this. Who do you pay first? You pay the people who work 12 hours. You know, we're good, right? We're good. 12 hours in the sun? Yeah. I agree to Daenerys? Yeah. Here you go. Woo! They go home. They're happy. Next group, you know, the ones who worked for nine hours. Pay them. Wow, you gave me a little bit of bonus. Thank you. Everyone you give to gets progressively happier. Right? So you imagine that because don't do this, don't do this, you do this, everyone, uh, more than half the people will not be happy with you. So here is the owner, like, no, 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 let's get the one hours here first, pay them. Really? Wow. Okay, why? It must be that the owner is doing something and he wants everyone to see it. What does he want to see? What's the point? I think this is the point of the parable. What does he want everyone to see? Well, okay, this is my first take. I think he wants everyone to see that all the gifts are his, and I will give them to whom I please, period. You guys okay with that? I don't know if you're okay with that, but do you see that from the parable? It's definitely from the parable. There's something about sovereignty. I will give my good gifts to whom I please. Ah, but there's, there's more to this. God doesn't see and discern how he wants to give his gifts based on the values that we would. Do you guys see that too? God does not value what you value. God does not honor what you necessarily honor. What impresses you, God's like, ah, that's not really that impressive to me, honestly. I mean, doesn't it say in um, Isaiah 55, where God says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts from your thoughts. What do, what do we prize? We prize ability. We prize people who can perform. We prize people who are chosen first, who can work hard in the sun and see the fruits of their labor. We like performance. We like to measure people according to what they can do. And here's God, like, actually, that doesn't mean that much to me. Really? Our world runs by meritocracy. If you can perform, you are valuable. And God's just like, you know, I really don't see it that way. Wow. Here is God. And he's different. He doesn't go by merit. He goes by grace. He goes by grace. Uh, I, I told you I was going to kind of walk through the different perspectives of the, 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 the different people. The, the next people I want to talk about are the 12-hour workers. I'm just wondering if anyone here kind of resonates a little bit with the 12-hour workers. You're a little bit like, you know, I don't know, I read the story and it's a little bit unfair. Maybe you're like, I, this is not my favorite story. Because I, I resonate with these workers. They worked hard in the sun. Who are these people? You know them. You might relate to them. These people are the A-team. You guys ever watch um, A-team when you were growing up? I know I'm dating myself. Okay. Yeah. 
These people are the overachievers. These people are the high performers. These people work hard in the hot sun for 12 hours, working hard. These are able people. These are full-bodied people. Now it's pay time. The people who got paid, um, who work for one hour, they go first. It's in front of everyone. They get one denarius. Now, what are you thinking if you're the 12-hour worker? What are you thinking at that moment? You're thinking, wow, <laughs> this dude is rich. That's what you're thinking, right? That's what I'll be thinking. This guy is rich. And then, if you really are like an overachiever, you start doing some quick math. Quick math. And this is how it goes. Like, one hour equals one denarius. 12 hours equals 12 denarius. Right? That's what you're thinking. That's what you're thinking. Now it's your turn. You get one denarius. You're like, what? I mean, honestly, can you relate? What? What is this? I worked 12 hours in the sun. I worked hard for you. Those guys, they just came in. Look, if I knew you are going to pay like this, I would have just taken it easy and slept in all day and been on my PJs and watched O.J. Simpson versus the people. Then I would have come in at three. But you're not motivating me to work hard. This is not fair. Can you hear it? This is not fair. Can you resonate with that? This is not fair. I don't know what you're doing, but this is not how a company should be run. This is mismanagement. So what do we say to all the people who resonate with that? Well, you see, the 12-hour workers had an understanding of their relationship with the owner. I'm just going to start calling the owner God right now. And their understanding is that it's a contract, right? It's a contract. I will do what you're asking me to do, and then you must do what you uh, are required to do. It's a contract. You do your part, and I'll do mine. Now, I just wonder, there's a lot of people here, and your relationship with God is kind of like a contract. I do my part. You know, I'm a good Christian. You know, I come to church. You know, I try, I try to do the right thing. But God, you got to take care of me. you got to bless me. you you got to give me a spouse. you got to give I will do my part, but God, you must do your part. We have a contract. Uh, I... I uh, I, 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 I had a buddy, and he was an amazing ministry partner with me, and we were doing a lot of ministry together, a lot of ministry together. And this is, this is one of those guys where um, if I, it just, I, he was just an amazing guy, super responsible, just a guy that you, you would put on the top of your list. I love this guy. Still love this guy. Uh, and we were doing a lot of ministry. He had his ministry, and then at age 40 or something, he just stopped coming to church, just dropped off. And so I followed up with him and I had coffee. And I went, what's going on? What's going on? And he kind of had like a midlife crisis, you know? What's going on? What's going on? And he said, oh, to be honest with you. Yeah, be honest with me. Tell me, 
He said, look, all my, I was saved as a young, and all my life I've been serving God. My free time, I volunteer. I've been mentoring people. And, but I'll be honest with you, what I've wanted all my life is a spouse. I just wanted a soulmate. And I hit like 40-something, and one day I said, you know, he did not give me the very thing that I wanted. And I've been serving him this whole time. What's the point of serving God? That's, that's what he said. What's the point? He even denies you the, the, your, your most desire of your heart. Now, now look, I'm praying for my brother. I'm praying that he's going to, you know, come back and everything. But you know what he had with God? He had a contract. And the reality here that the 12-hour workers don't realize, they don't see it. You don't have a contract with God. What you have is a covenant of grace. What these 12-hour workers don't realize is, look, the, the, you went out in the morning and the owner had plenty of people to choose from, but he chose you. He didn't have to choose you. He could have chosen other people. He chose you. And then at the end of your work, he gave you a full day's wage. He gave you an awesome reward. And then here's the thing. Even your ability to work hard, even your intelligence, even your able body, your health, even that ability was something that God gave you. Don't you understand? Everything you have is by grace. Everything. For everyone right here, everything you got. Everything you have, all by grace. God does not owe us anything, but he gives and he gives and he gives freely and he gives more. And then he gave the very life of his own son. God is a God of grace. Wow. Everything you have, it's by grace. And dare I even say that the thing he withholds from you is also by grace. It's for his glory and for your good. Well, now, let's talk about these one-hour workers. I, I did a little poll, like, how many of you relate to a 12-hour worker? Now, I'm just curious, how many of you relate to being a one-hour worker, you know? You don't have to raise your hand high. These are the people who never got chosen. These are the people who don't feel good enough. You know, they woke up at 5 a.m. too. They showed up at 6 a.m. And they weren't chosen. Uh, Dion, would you stand up? And I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, I, I guess I am. If you were a foreman and you're going to choose between Colossus and me, who would you choose? I would choose him. Quest. Where is Quest? Okay, Chef, Quest, let's take off our shirts. I'm, I'm, jo I'm joking. You get the idea. Now, of course, this person is thinking, well, maybe they got there first. Maybe they got there first, but then they're thinking, no, 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 it's because I don't look very impressive. I'm 5'5", five five. he's way taller. 
But then, I don't know, 9 a.m. comes around, and they're being, they're being sized up. I think it shows in again. Noon. Again. Now, most people go home, but I don't want to go home. I need a job. I need some work. I don't want to go home and just not be able to provide for my kids, so I'm going to wait around. 3 p.m. Again, not chosen. Now, what happens to your, your, your mental health every time it's time to be chosen and you are not chosen? You start to compare. Well, he's, he's, I guess he's better looking than me. He's smarter. He's taller. He's got more networks. He knows how to sell himself. I get it. I'm a nobody. You feel like you don't measure up. Now, I would say, um, uh, actually, I can totally relate to the 12-hour worker, but I can also relate to the one-hour worker. And I think this is a little bit the reason why. Uh, sometimes we blame our parents for everything. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so when I was young, uh, my, parent, my parents would get together with other parents and they would compare kids. And sometimes they would do it very openly and very loudly. And sometimes I would hear them. And in my high school, there was a kid by the name of Jeff Wong. And Jeff Wong was every parent's dream child. Did you have a Jeff Wong in, um, in your school? I bet you did. Now, and Jeff Wong, like every mom would compare their kid to Jeff Wong. Always again, you know, and the, Jeff Wong was very polite. And it's like, oh, do you know that Jeff Wong, when he came back home, he, he, he uh, prepared dinner for his parents, but this is after he volunteered at the hospital. And, and Jeff Wong, he, you know, do you know he's going to Stanford? And oh, you're going to Cal, that's good too. But, but I hated Jeff Wong. I hate you, Jeff Wong. I still hate Jeff Wong. And so I kind of grew up thinking, you know, I try hard, but I'm never good enough. There's always, there's always people who are better. I don't know why. I take this complex with me everywhere I go. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you do the same thing. In your school, you compare yourself to the top. In your work, you're comparing yourself to another employee. Maybe you see yourself in the voice of your mother-in-law. Maybe you always feel like you never measure up to your husband, to your boyfriend, to your parents. I never measure up. That's how these guys felt too. Never measure up. I'm not good enough. Here is this employer. <laughs> Gosh, this is grace. Now, I look at this parable, and this employer, he just, he, he just, he's from another world. Apparently, God does not value you based on what you can do, or based on your performance, or based on what you can do for him. All my life, I've been seeing myself, my value is what I can do. And here is this employer, he's like, actually, I don't really care that much about that. Then what do you care about? I choose you. Why? I have nothing to offer. Actually, no. I want you to go on my vineyard and work for one hour. I'm not going to give you a handout. I'm going to give you work for an hour because I value your work and I value you. I value you for you. What do I have to offer? It's not based on what you can offer me. I choose you by grace and by compassion. I choose you because I choose you. <laughs> 
What do you find in me? I choose you by grace. Wow. Is that our God? That is your God. Now, <laughs> recently I was watching my son Ryan in his first game of basketball. And uh, I was pretty excited about this, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I, I used to be in the sporting world a lot, and so I have a, a bit of expectations. And um, because when I was a kid, like, I want to say this as humbly as possible. Like, I was just really good. I was. I was really good. I, I was just, I just, and so I was like, wow, I can't wait to see Ryan go and just do it and tear it up, right? And so he was there. He wasn't first string. He was, he, he was there. And um, so I saw him like running around the court. And uh, it, so, it, wow. Um, it was, uh, he, he was really inexperienced, he was really inexperienced, like really inexperienced, okay? Um, and I, I was just, I was in this, I was in a plate of like turmoil, just like, oh, 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 you know, like that, right? And then there was this one time where he was close to the basket and, and one of his teammates made a shot and then a boom, 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 and bounce and, he, and then it came to him, it came right to him because that was the only way he could get the ball. Okay, so it came right to him, right? And he's tall, by the way. That's right. I have a tall son. You know, I, I don't know how that happened. Like, God is good, right? Amen? So he got the ball, and then he put it right back in. And, and he missed, you know. Um, and the whole, the whole rest of the game kind of went that way, and there was something in me like, oh, oh, oh. And so after the game, I, I ran. Not, I, I went right up to him, you know, and I wanted to say some stuff, and I like, Andrew, calm down. And calm down, just calm down. So you take a deep breath. Calm down. We were talking in the car. We talked in the car. We're in the car. I'm driving. He's in the back seat. I'm like, hey, Ryan, let's talk about, let's talk about your play. Let's talk about your play, you know. Yeah, let's talk your play. And I had like a three. You don't want to tell him like five things or like four things, maybe like two, three, right? The criticism, right? Um, and something happened to me at that moment. And I was going to say something, but I didn't wind up saying that stuff. I, I, I said, Ryan, um, hey, your play today. Uh, hey, remember that time when the ball bounced and you, and you got it and you put it back in? That was great. I love that you did that. You know, you took some risk there, right? He said, but dad, it didn't go in. You're like, I don't care. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Actually, even if you didn't try, I'm proud of you. I'm just proud of you. I love you. It's not based on what you do. Now, now listen, um, at that moment, um, there's a little bit of a watershed. Like, after that moment, Ryan started letting me critique his play. <laughs> I don't know how that worked. It just, that just happened. But at that moment, something also changed to me. I, feel like, I felt like it was a Holy Spirit moment. I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, you love your son, right? Is it based on his play? No. I love my son because I just love my son. I choose to love my son by grace. Is it any different how God sees you? Absolutely not. He chooses you by his sovereign grace. It's not based on what you can do. 
It never has been. You see, all this is pointing to the cross. Do you see it? The 12-hour workers will be like, yeah, when it comes to God and performance and getting into heaven, I'll earn it. I'll work hard and under the sun. And it's like God saying, really? Really, contract? I'll be, I'll be honest with you. You can't earn it. And I'll be also be honest with you. You're not good enough. You're not. My son, Jesus, is good enough. And so he's going to die on that cross. And the moment he dies on the cross, all of his righteousness comes on to you. All of his value, all of his worth goes right onto you, and you do nothing to deserve that, and that's how I want it. And I choose you because of grace. It's based on not anything you've done. It's not based on merit. It's not based on your performance. You haven't been good enough. Jesus was good enough. It's grace. You get in by grace. You live by grace. We worship because of grace. Now, I would say that the whole point of this series is that we don't want people who are just focused on the externals. But we want to be people who have a renewed heart who love God, not just with our lips, but with everything inside us, and worship him with everything inside us. This is what makes us worship God. If you feel like you have to perform, then you be here fulfilling a contract. God, I do my part, I sing my song, and then you bless me. No, 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 it's by grace. This God who gave up everything, everything for you, Sheer grace. And when you sing from your heart, it's because of grace. We have an amazing God who is filled with his amazing grace. And that's what makes us want to sing. That's what makes us want to worship. So let's do it. Let's stand and I'll pray. Father, I thank you for your amazing grace. I thank you that uh, we don't live by a contract with you because no one wants to worship a God that just, you know, kind of, he's, he's doing his part because I'm doing my part. But we worship a God who gave up everything and gives us everything by grace. And that makes us want to sing. I just want to pray for everyone's heart, Lord, that we would give up our contracts with you and we would live, and we would move, and we would love you because of your grace, your amazing, wondrous, scandalous grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.